Welcome to the Future of Work Live. Hosted by Mark Salisbury, author of the new book, Socrates Digital for Learning and Problem Solving. Each 25-minute episode with Mark and his guests prepares you for the upcoming new world of work. Welcome to the Future of Work Live. I'm Mark Salisbury, your host. Today, Marcella De La Torre will be my guest, and she'll discuss proximity bias and how not to let it negatively affect you. So first, a little bit about Marcella De La Torre. She is a director and adjunct professor in the Opus College of Business, the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. She has a doctorate in organizational development. And over the years, she has developed a passion for the people in the organization as they drive culture and innovation. She's constantly researching and teaching topics on workforce strategy, talent development, leadership and executive coaching, and DLI. Of course, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she started her career in the healthcare and medical education fields, where she continues to stay involved. Marcella is also a regular contributor to the Star Tribune, our newspaper here in Minnesota. So join me in welcoming Marcella to the show. Hi, Marcella. Hi, Mark. (laughs) So let's get right to this. Uh, What is proximity bias? Well, as the word says, proximity, um, it is a term that we are hearing more these days in uh, companies and organizations. And what it means is that bosses prefer have a bias towards um, having their employees close to them. So it is that notion of being in the office, being seen. The bias can be unconscious or conscious. Uh, we are seeing that middle managers particularly prefer to be on site and therefore they would like to see their employees on site as well. Uh, we are seeing that they prefer, like I said, in general to be on site at least three times a week. And uh, the people who tend to be more likely to be in the office on site are uh, men and particularly white men um, posing some um, potential complications for minorities and women. And um, that is why we need to be aware of that, especially uh, I think as people start their careers or even want to seek promotion, want to continue to grow in organizations. How are we going to manage that? How are we going to identify? Well, that's interesting. I I remember years ago when I worked for the Boeing company in Seattle, um, Boeing was just starting to to deal with more flexible schedules. And so what would happen is that the people who would come in very early, right, they would, you know, all of a sudden be kind of gone for the important meetings in the afternoon. And so it was kind of an early version of hearkening of of what you're what we're talking about now is proximity bias and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the the great invisible workforce that you don't see right that you only see the ones that are there really on your Mm -hmm. property so 
Right. Let, let's go to how would we recognize this? I mean, because it seems like we're all working remotely. Um, and so how would we recognize it's a problem? So how would we recognize when there exists proximity mm-hmm. bias? Well, we are starting to work on that, meaning the people are starting to look into that because it's just been identified. Maybe it was there and maybe it was there before, as you mentioned. But now with, you know, the pandemic, people going back to work, everybody's questioning how is this going to work, right? There are more questions than answers at this time. But um, I think if you are a, a middle manager, if you are there, you can start identifying some of these issues in conversations, actually, right? Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, you, you can tell when, you know, some people have that preference, whether, again, it's unconscious or conscious, and they may not be aware how that may be influencing their thinking. And when performance, re- performance reviews come around, um, these could have an impact. So I would say one, one way is, if you are a middle manager or if you're in the organization right now working with others, starting to identify these cultural things that are starting to arise. You know, who's saying what? How are we all working together to identify what people are saying and what's, you know, between the lines? Um, if you are uh, not a middle manager, if you're starting, I think a good way would be to be very in tune to the culture, what people are saying, uh, how, what, what is your intuition, your sense, but also I think partnering with HR, I think asking that question uh, is a very relevant question. Uh, we know the human resources, uh, business partners, experts are really worried about that, especially as we're trying to address all these underrepresented groups and DEI becoming such an important aspect of, you know, our workforce recruiting, from recruiting to retention to promotion, they are there to help. So I think it's a very valid uh, question. And and also I I would assume they are very open to meeting um, and uh, yes, and help out. But I think I would start there um, and for those, again, in middle management or upper levels of the organization to really question. And as managers and uh, even the C-suite start preparing for the return to work, many people are not coming back to work in person until later this month or even March. Take a fresh look, right? Think about all these little pieces, not just how it's how is this going to work, but also how people could be affected negatively uh, from this proximity bias. So I would say, yeah, look at the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I know one of the things we've wrestled with for a very long time is how do we measure people's contribution to our organizations, mm-hmm. right? And and moving more, and I know a lot of the big companies and organizations move more towards this idea of being able to have metrics around people's performance and what did they actually get done. And, and this is kind of like the opposite of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like the, uh, we're looking at like, well, 
we're really going to kind of allow proximity bias to be part of our organization because we don't do a very good job of measuring what people actually do. And so it seems like if we did a much better job with measuring people's actual contribution, regardless of where they park their rear end on what chair it is and where it is, that that would really help us with this. Is that part of it? How Am, am I looking at this? Uh, uh, and is that a realistic way to look at this issue? Yes, I think so, Mark. I think well, a couple of things came to mind as you were talking about these. One would be that building that trust, right? Uh, you need to build the trust, and obviously, when you're remote, can be a little harder. And maybe what you do is come up with a plan where, when people start in the organization, I'm thinking about people just join the organization. I have so many students graduating in May. And I'm giving them advice on that is be present or maybe, and if you're the employer, maybe developing a system where they can spend at least maybe half a year or whatever it takes present. So you build that trust and then I think build that flexibility. If you're already in the company, in the organization, people should know you, right? They yeah. should know that you are already, I have, I have employees, I, I have an employee right now who's working primarily from home and but the trust is built and i'm in communication with her things are working fantastic but um again the bill the we have built that trust and we have built a plan that works for her she's much happier and productive at home that leads me to what you were saying the metrics how are we going to measure that quite honestly it's not that difficult because you i i can see that she's delivering the work um in fact i can see that she's even more productive so I think um, that, uh, again, you know, how do you measure productivity and, and how do you uh, assess, you know, are the projects being accomplished and so on? How is this communication being done? When are meetings more convenient for, for both of us? But it also goes to understanding, again, culture, not just the culture of the organization, but the culture of different groups uh we are seeing that minority groups in general feel safer working at home because they are a minority so there are fewer uh -huh. people yeah yeah fewer people that they can relate to at work or are not as part of the dominant culture and uh they feel more you know you know as i said I safe in general I think you've snuck up on our next question. You, you just look into the future, Marcella, and and our next one is who's going to be affected by proximity bias? Mm -hmm. and I think you just gave us this was a horror movie. Uh, that's what they call foreshadowing, <laughs> right? You talk yeah. about it a little bit and you go, oh, don't go in there, right? But this is what it's about. So who will be affected by this? Well, the concern is, and it's not just my concern, but talking to people, like looking at surveys that are now being posted out there and I encourage everyone listening to these to do their own research as well. Um, it is underrepresented groups, yeah. women and minorities, because again, it is, you know, if you think about it, uh, being present, right? Uh, that involves being able to have the right transportation, being able to have uh, the, the daycare, um, all kinds of things that are, for many workers, are very difficult. 
right? Um, elderly care, you, you name it. So most caregivers, I'm not saying all, because obviously there are many men who are affected by these, and uh, but a lot of the caregivers tend to be women, and a lot of the caregivers in especially minority groups also, uh, they, they have fewer opportunities to find the means they need for the people they take care of. So I am thinking that they these groups are going to be more negatively affected by it uh, for a number of reasons. One is the ability to go to work because you have all the means that you need. The other one is that, that preference. If uh, it, it is known that in organizations, minority groups or minority minorities tend to find each other and have their little groups. It's it's even happened to me, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have that affinity, you have the culture, we do things differently. Um, we have a different way of seeing and looking at the world and there is just that connection. So when you go to work and the dominant group is not from your own culture, yeah. there are fewer relationships that you build. So you may be... <clears throat> more inclined to stay at home um so this can negatively affect you as you yeah. said yeah you know i never thought about this so much but just the other day i was reading about uh, people with autism and they talk about this as neurodiversity right and the idea that you know people who think differently and see the world differently uh are people um some of these are people on the autism spectrum and one of the suggestions for employers who want to take, sometimes these are very talented people, but to keep them involved is they actually communicate better with technology. They prefer, not all of them, of course, but a, a significant percentage of them prefer being on Zoom because there's not a lot of little, little talk, a lot of little chit chat because they find it difficult to do that sometimes. And so... Uh, they, they prefer, even though they're in the office space, one of the suggestions is have them dial in on Zoom <laughs> for your meeting. But uh, it, it also strikes me that, you know, people who uh, prefer not to be in the workplace physically, uh, for them, they might actually prefer, right, um, being able to use technologies like Zoom and other video conferencing. And so that that if we think about that in a fairness kind of way, that uh, we can include them more if, if we actually just had some of our meetings, even though we have a lot of people uh, that are actually present. So that's maybe a strategy. I don't know, what do you think? I think you're absolutely right on. Uh, we see that even with the students that we teach, right? That, um, mm -hmm. yes, I think being able to do things in the computer works better for some people. Uh, being able to even communicate via Zoom, it gives some people a sense of um, comfort, right? Even even if it's at a meeting. And with technology these days, we can do that. I mean, we, we are already having meetings all over the world yeah. with people in other countries. And uh, so as we are, you're right, as we are thinking about coming back to the office, uh, we need to take many things into account. And this is one of them. And I think that solves, in a way, that proximity bias, right? If I 
say, well, maybe we'll tune in at this time every week, um, just like if we would do with global partners, mm -hmm. uh, it may give a sense of, um, yes, comfort. Uh, some people are intimidated by, you know, other people who may be more articulated, who, you know, what do they say? Think to speak, right? That take all the space, yeah. think to speak. And many, like I said, many minorities, uh, many mi minority groups, you know, are, are more subdued, are more, uh, you know, what is it? Not think to speak, and the other ones are speak to think. You know what I mean? Some are <laughs> yes, happier. Yeah. And some minorities, yes, it could be a language barrier, it could be an accent barrier, it could be many things that you are, you know, if I had had the space, um, I think it's easier if you, um, what I'm thinking too, if you have people in Zoom and or any other kind of um, meeting platform, and then you have people in a room meeting, I think sometimes it's even easier to invite those who are on the screen to speak Well, in yeah. a meeting. It may be very hard, especially if you're not from this culture. I know it was extremely hard for me to know, okay, when can I talk? Because everybody's yeah, talking, yeah. talking, and, and I'm not being asked, what do you think, Marcella? Yeah. And that was really stressful for me. Now I just say it, yeah. but it was really very, it was very stressful. And I didn't know those intricacies of the, language, of the culture. You know, when is it okay to intervene? It's a very little thing, but it can be very stressful yeah. if you're not from this culture. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that takes us to the next one here. For our, our viewers today, uh, Marcella, how can we keep proximity bias from really affecting us or actually harming us in some way? What, what, would you, what advice would you give our viewers? Mm-hmm. I think from the receiving end, um, again, know that this may or may not, right, uh, be something that is going on. Uh, know that many times people don't even realize that's going on, right? Could be unintentional. But uh, again, I think fine if you identify that there is, that, that you start identifying that there are groups that maybe consider more hardworking or uh, getting an advantage because of that proximity bias, I think it's okay to address it. Um, I would, you know, again, use uh, our human resources partners um, in the organizations to, I, I, they are obviously looking into that and retention, Hiring talent and retaining yeah. talent. It's one of the most costly, um, you know, expenses that an organization has. So nobody wants to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's much better to retain talent than seeing them go because now they cannot work from home where many companies are doing very well, being all virtual or hybrid. So I would say address those issues. There may not be even, they may not have even um, thought about it. From the perspective of manager, managers, executives, HR, um, uh, I would say 
think about the that we are you know coming up with new ways of working and while nobody wants to go back to the old models what this is a great opportunity for us to be thinking about all these things strategies that are going to work and look into every possible um you know aspect of these that could negatively affect anybody so it, we at the same time while there is this proximity bias starting to surface i think we have a great opportunity to address some of the issues that we were talking about marking you know, styles um all kinds of yes anything that could get on the way of uh, advancing people growing them having them be an intricate part of the organization. Yeah, it's, it strikes me that we have kind of responsibilities on both sides of this. If, if we're an employee, we have to make sure that people understand our contribution. And that might be that we make a little more effort writing up what we've done, how we've contributed, and you know, making that perhaps a little more visible than we would think we would have to. But it also seems to me like on the other side, when we're uh, put into the place of the employer and in management positions, we think we have to think about how can we make sure that uh, our people who are not physically present, but are still part of our organizations are recognized for what they do and have the opportunity to participate fully. And so we have to take a look at a gambit of things that we might have to do given our industry and who we're working with. And so it seems to me like there's plenty of responsibility for this to go around. And probably the first thing which you brought to us today is recognizing this when we see it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It may be hard because many times culture, right? These things are hidden <laughs> and um, just start recognizing by, you know, how people behave. Who are the people going to the office? Is it very clear who's going, who's staying? Uh, conversations, all kinds of things. It may be hard at first, but I think we need to start the conversation and encourage the conversation about this. Okay. Well, um, I always, one of my jobs is because I don't have a whole lot to add to the subject most of the time is I keep my eye on the clock. <laughs> and I see that we are coming down towards the end. So that takes us to this idea of, you know, what would you give us the takeaway. And I kind of put a little tagline here, mm -hmm. but what would you say that our viewers should take away from today's program? Again, you know, recognize that this may be an issue and uh, don't let it affect you negatively. As I said before, start the conversation, approach people, um, just, just be aware. And especially if you're starting your career, if people know you very well and you feel that trust is already established, that's fine. But if you're starting, and because I know so many people who are starting their career, uh, being an adjunct professor here at the University of St. Thomas, um, I think it's very important that you first, you know, you show up, that you work on site, that you establish that relationship. Unless obviously you already know the organization is all being um you know remote uh but i think that's that's what i was and and you know don't be too hard on yourself know that they're that you know and, and like i said this is a great opportunity for innovation everybody who would listen to this talk i would say let's let's be innovative 
how can we create, you know, work environments, companies, organizations that, you know, honor diversity, that honor gender, that will be a place for everybody to grow, no matter whether they are remote or in person, no matter, you know, no matter their culture or ability. I, I, I'm excited that if people do this well, um, this can really work well, and we would have happier people. <laughs> I think I, you know, being from Europe, um, I really value uh, a culture that values um, happiness and people who, you know, and that fosters a good uh, work life in general. Yeah, very good. Good words to end on. So, Marcella, thank you for being our guest today. I want to remind our users we're moving to Tuesdays because I have a different schedule. <laughs> and so we're now going to have our next episodes on Tuesdays. And uh, so we'll see you next time on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central Time. So thanks again, Marcella, for joining us today. And that's You're our welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having You can find the Future of Work Live episodes in video and podcast format on www.marksalsbury.com. Additionally, YouTube hosts the video episodes on the Future of Work channel, and Apple, Spotify, and Google host the podcasts.